Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. You know, I've been reading books by Simon Sinek lately. He's the author of Start With Why and The Infinite Game and a couple other books, I believe. This is not a commercial for Simon Sinek. However, I did read a quote from him that made me think of my guest today. And that quote says, customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. And I truly believe that my guest today embodies that quote. He's the agency principal of an agency in Hot Springs, Arkansas, called First Arkansas Insurance Hot Springs. And his employees have run through a brick wall for him. His employees love coming to work every day. They love working for Nick. They love everything about it because he does create a great culture of coming to work. Now, I'm sure there's their good days and there's their bad days. But on a whole, I truly believe that he's created a culture that's unique. And it's second to hardly any, if not second to none. I wanted you to hear our conversation today because I really truly believe it'll add value to your day because it's always my hopes that with our content that we will make you a better insurance professional. Now, I do want to tell you a little bit more about him. His name is Nick Dodd. He's won several awards in the industry And he's been on the board of directors for the professional insurance agents. He has served in our industry in so many different ways. He's been so involved and he's involved in his community and he loves his agency and his agency loves it back. Oh, I just can't wait for you to hear our conversation. So it is without further ado, I've known this guy for over a dozen years. Please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Nick Dodd. Nick Dodd, what's up, buddy? Not much. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. You are impossible to get a hold of. I've been trying to get a hold of you for a couple of weeks now. You just been super busy or what? You know what? This is the busiest time of the year for me. Uh, kids out of school, a lot of June 1st renewals, so it, it's been hectic. I'm glad June 1st is here and it's about to pass. Man, that's good to hear, even with the COVID deal, that you're still busy and things are still kicking along with you, right? That's correct. You know, we're very fortunate in this in this career that, you know, our, our insurance our insurers rely on us for for coverage, and we're doing everything we can to try to find uh, any type of coverage that that is out there for COVID. There you go. Hey, do me a favor, Nick. Uh, why don't you take a stroll down memory lane with me? Let's talk about your past. Let's let my audience know a little bit about Nick Dodd. Talk to me. Go all the way back as far as you want to and bring me up to where you are now. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, you know, my, my career didn't start out as an in, 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 in insurance. Um, I'm, I'm one of the, like many, kind of lucked into the career. Uh, started out as a police officer. Uh, was actually the fifth generation for Hot Springs Police Department dating back to my great-great-grandfather. Didn't really have any interest in going into the police field, but I was fresh out of college, 21 years old, and uh, pretty much a shoe-in. So they were going to give me a badge, a gun, and I got to drive a car as fast as I want to at 21. Sign me up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So uh, give you a little background on that. I didn't, didn't really pursue the police officer either, you know, Um, the career in the police department. I can remember as a kid having to wait till noon to open up gifts because dad had to work. Dad was not at any of my football games, baseball games. He was always working. So I always said, you know, when I grow up, I want to make sure that I've got some time to spend with my family. 
So uh, one thing led to another. Uh, married my high school sweetheart, and we were getting married and didn't really have a career path, so the police department was, was there for me. Uh, glad I did it. I don't really miss the job that much. I miss the camaraderie. I miss the guys that I worked with. But uh, I, it was a great experience. I was there for eight years. And can I tell you the reason I... Talk to me real quick. What was it like, police academy? Was that tough training for you, or was that something you were used to growing up in it, or was that a normal thing for you? Well, the police academy that I went to was in Pocahontas, Arkansas. Uh, it was Black River Technical College, and it was a 13-week vacation. We stayed in a hotel room. Uh, statues of limitations are out, so I can tell you we had the only unmarked car, which was the police department minivan, so we'd cross the border into Missouri to load up with all the alcohol to come back for uh, the nightly events at, at the hotel. Uh, we, we got to go. They didn't have a cafeteria, so we went to the cell barn every morning, got biscuits and gravy, had a good lunch. Really wasn't that hard in PT. So, uh, you know, no. The police academy was a, was a 13-week vacation for me. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the, the police department uh, or the police academy in Camden, Arkansas, that is like a military boot camp. So I right. dodged the bullet on that one. There you go. Sorry to interrupt. Go on back with your story. Sorry about that. No, not a problem. So I uh, let's fast forward about eight years after uh, I started the police department, got married, and uh, my five-year-old son, well, he may have been four at the time. Uh, it was a Saturday afternoon. I had to go in and work swing shift. He said, hey, Dad, can we go to the park today? And I had to tell him, no, son, we can't go today. Dad's got to go in and work. So I started thinking at that time, you know, this is the reason I said I wouldn't do this. Am I going to uh, am I going to continue down the same path, or am I going to change careers? Uh, about that time, uh, same time frame, my next door neighbor that had moved in, his dad owned an insurance agency in Arkadelphia, and they just started an agency here in Hot Springs, and uh, he was trying to get my wife to come to work for him as a, a CSR and talked to her for months and months upon a time and just wanted, really wanted her to come over. Well, after that day, I decided, you know what, let, let, let me go talk to him, see what it's all about. You know, if I can make a lateral move as far as pay, I think it might be a good decision for me. That way, I work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and I've got the weekends off. So I started talking to him, and um, I was very, very fortunate that he gave me the opportunity. He talked to his dad and said, well, I wouldn't want you in a CSR role. I'd want you in a producer role. Of course, I didn't know anything about insurance. Uh, I, I knew enough to be dangerous and barely how to spell it. So it took about two or three months to decide what I wanted to do and made the career move and haven't really looked back since. Um, it was a great experience at, at my prior agency. Uh, learned a lot about insurance itself. Had a great mentor, Al Lynch. Man, that guy was awesome. So he, he took me under his wing and really helped me out. Now, did Al Lynch work with you? Were you more commercial at that time, personal lines, both? What kind of stuff did you go after? I knew Al Lynch, God rest his soul, and uh, rest in peace, my man. But, you know, he was an amazing guy. But the guys who don't know him, what kind of things did he teach you? He taught me that insurance is not cookie cutter and how to look at exclusions and endorsements and what – what coverage is actually to put on accounts. Uh, Al worked with me on several large accounts. 
that I probably wouldn't have got if it wasn't for Al and pointing out the, the gaps in coverage that that particular account had when I went into my proposal to show them that, hey, if this happened to you, you wouldn't be covered, but on my policy, you are. So you were focused more on commercial lines back then. You know, I've always been a fan of personal lines as well. Uh, I, I, about 70% of my book is commercial. The other 30% is, uh, or about 70% of my book is commercial. 30% is personal. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of opportunity for personal lines right now with uh, COVID-19 going on. Everybody's trying to save as much money as they can without cutting coverage. And as long as you've got the correct companies, you can step in and help them out. There you go. So let me ask you quickly, what, before you finish into your story, what did your family think when you decided I'm out of the police? You said, what, seven, eight years, you know, or seven or eight generations back. What did they think when you decided I'm not going to do police work? I'm going to go into insurance. You know, it was, it was pretty easy to tell my dad. Uh, my dad is still in law enforcement. He's a captain at the sheriff's department here in Garland County. Uh, he was a state trooper at the time, worked DTF, and me and my dad had a great relationship. It was pretty easy to tell him. The hardest thing I had to do was tell my grandpa. So uh, I, I, was wait, I waited until the very last day. I was down to, going down to turn my letter in to, to my police chief, and I had to do it. So I, I ran by his house and sat down with him on the back porch and said, Pappy, you know what? I said, I'm making a career move, and uh, I hope you're okay with it. And, you know, he was the most supportive out of anybody else. That is awesome. That's good to hear. I just wonder what that'd be like. You know, luckily, I'm in the same field. I'm a second-generation insurance guy, as you know. So if I would ever get out of insurance, I'm afraid my father might beat me. But who knows? Um, so, anyhow, continuing on, you were had a great mentor teaching you the ropes. Continue on your story from there. Yeah, well, and I'm like, just about like everybody else, you know, I'm one little skin in the game. I'm, I'm working, working my tail off to, to get to a certain point. And the agency started buying up a couple other agencies. And I could kind of see the writing on the wall and talk to the principal and told him, you know, hey, I, I don't expect anything. I want to buy in. I want, I want some, some ownership of the agency. Uh, I was led on for about two years that we were working everything out, and it came down to, hey, you know, we've been working on this for a while now. What's going on? And he finally told me that there was no possibility the way the company was set up, that there was no possibility for me to, to buy in. So from there, once you find, that's the story of so many independent agencies out there that are producers. They want that skin in the game. But it's, it's hard to get that sometimes. And so from there, you had to make some decisions from there. And then you ended up buying an agency that you're at now or buying into a group. What happened there? Yeah. Well, uh, I, there's another independent agent in town that, that uh, knew him very well and knew that he was uh, had 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 a gentleman that was buying the agency and that didn't work out. That gentleman left and went to a, a different, down a different path and uh, got with him one evening and had a meeting and said he had been talking to two other gentlemen that own uh, First Arkansas Insurance in Pine Bluff and they were looking for somebody that could, could help out, manage the office and own part of it. Uh, you know, it wasn't something that I took lightly. We, we've met over a period of about eight or nine months. 
We had meetings just about every every other week. We sat down, uh, and I really was very comfortable with their the way they ran the agency, the the uh, mission statement that they had. Which was what? What was that mission statement? It's got to be fair for both parties. It can't be one-sided either way. And if it's not fair for both parties, it's never going to work out. Wow. Okay, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Now, I know I know. part of your career is obviously your mentor, Al Lynch, was very involved in the professional insurance agents. You got involved in the professional insurance. Do you feel like before you became an owner, you feel like working on the board with some of those different agency owners helped you or you saw some things that helped you? And when you wanted to pursue being an agency principal, did any of that help you along the way or being involved in the agency associations, things like that? Do you think that helped you at all? Oh, there's no doubt it helped. You know, and it helped both ways. It helped me know what I wanted to do and helped me know what I didn't want to do. Um, so it, it was yeah, one of those things sure. that everybody that I've worked with and came in contact with has really helped me uh, further myself in the insurance field. And so I know as uh, working with you and knowing you all the way back to almost day one, um, and you as an agency principal, there's uh, definitely something that I feel like sets apart your agency from talking to your CSRs, your agents, your producers, your, your entire staff, and they all love to work with you, and they all love to work with First Arkansas and Hot Springs. Why do you feel like that is? You know, I, I've, I, I only have one other agency to compare it to, and I, I feel that your work family is just as important as your home family. You spend almost more time with your work family than you do your home family. And, and you know, some marriages, they, they don't work out. And it's kind of like employment. You, you, you've got to try it out and see if it works. But one thing I, I have is a great team. And you can't have a great, good agency without a great team. Not one person can do everything. Now, was that team, obviously you, you put together some of that team, you inherited some of that team. Do you feel like you go about it in a recruitment way differently? Or do you look for certain attributes in a hire? Or how does, that, how does that look? I know obviously you, like I said, you inherited some and then you recruited some of them. Right. And we, we've got quite a few of the old staff, uh, but we have hired, we've grown the agency since I've bought it. Uh, we've hired about nine new people uh, and, and replaced about three people that uh, either went to went on a different career path or just decided it was time for them to retire. So, you know, I, it's just like dating. I mean, you've got, you've got, I, I don't ever hire with just one interview. I always have three to four interviews. Uh, I don't make a rush decision. We may be in a bind, but it, it's not worth getting a person in here to cause more havoc and trouble. We're, like I said, we're a team and we work together and everybody has one common goal. And do you feel like when you are um, looking for people, do you feel like those people have to be in the insurance industry beforehand or prior experience in that? Or you feel like you can bring them in without experience and train them in the industry as long as they fit in your culture? You know what? Having somebody that has experience is, is always good. Now, with the good comes the bad because they, the, somebody with experience has already got their mindset up how to do stuff. 
and, and it not it might not be the same as what how we do it and it's hard for them to change their habits good habits are bad to change just like good habits so it's one of those things that it's it it's sometimes it's easier just to go ahead and train somebody from the ground up and sometimes it's easier to hire somebody with experience it just depends it depends on the person and, and how they are i uh, i can tell you that we've got one of the best employees uh right now and she actually uh i knew her for quite a while uh not not personally but she was my my go-to waitress at a local restaurant i used to eat at here and she always took care of me she greeted me she was always in a great mood she uh she i watched her with other people and she was just she was a rock star in in the service industry and i always told my wife you know what if i can hire somebody that that's that's who i'm going to hire uh, my wife was in a field where she had a few employees as well, so it was almost a competition who was going to hire her first. And, and I got lucky, and, and uh, she's been with us uh, ever since she left the service industry. And she started out as a receptionist, moved her way up to new business uh, quoting uh, for commercial accounts for me, and she's doing a great job. So experience always isn't the best when you can get somebody and they are, you, you can mold them to what you want them to be. So it doesn't matter if they were a waitress in the past, a police officer, they can come work at First Arkansas Insurance and you feel like you can train them to fit what you would want as a staff member, a producer, a CSR. And that I feel like that rings true with a lot of different uh industries especially ours but not a lot of people are willing to do that and willing to go out on that limb they always want to look for the the safe people or the already uh trained in the insurance business model but like i said you you go the opposite route there and you'll you'll take someone who's good with people um do you feel like recruiting or training that may be a superpower of yours or do you feel like that's something that you excel in or you just got lucky how's that work for you you know, I'm not taking any credit for it. Like I said, it goes back to the team. Uh, starting out on the bottom and working yourself up is the best way to do it. I wish I would have done that. When, when, I, when I started in the insurance field, they gave me a notebook, a phone book, and a computer and said, here you go, sell insurance. And, and I call my, one of my best friends and call him up, hey, can I quote your insurance? Yeah. Okay, thanks. So I take it back into the other producer. Hey, he said I can quote it. Okay, well, what's his address? Uh, hang on just a minute. Go back in there and call him. Hey, what's your address? Go back in there and give it to somebody. And they, they're, okay, well, what's his date of birth? Hang on just a minute. So finally, I was like, write some questions down for me. That way I can get all this in one phone call instead of going back and forth. And that was, that was my experience and my training in insurance when I first started. So I, I have spent time to go through and make manuals and try try my best to help any new employee that we have we've got a new producer that we hired in uh in may straight out of college uh he's set with me he set with other producers uh and went to meetings and he he started out as a csr and worked as a csr for six months detailing policies getting in learning the system um, you know, I just don't want to throw somebody into into the insurance field like I did, and it, it, it's kind of scary when when you really think about it because there's so many different 
scenarios that could happen that aren't good. Sure, and that's something that is absolutely crucial for you as an agency owner now, as you understand E&O or you understand, you know, the gamble and the liabilities as for you, you got to make sure they, like you said, start from the bottom and work their way up. You feel like that eases your mind a little bit when it comes to that standpoint of, you know, E&O exposure, liability from your end as, as a principal now? Oh, it definitely does. Yes. And, you know, I keep on saying this, but it is true. It's the team effort. You know, we, we had the producers sit with every CSR. They, they sit with them. They go through it. They understand what they're doing. They understand what questions to ask, why, why we need certain information. Uh, we've got a veteran CSR. She, uh, she's been in the industry, insurance industry for over 20 years, and she's my go-to. You know, it's always nice to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. Hey, this person is, is this kind of uh, insured, and, you know, I'm thinking that we, we need this and that. What are you thinking? And we, we have daily meetings uh, with the producers and CSRs uh, every Monday on commercial lines and every Tuesday on personal lines just to, so we can go through markets so we can see, hey, we've got this account and we've got, we had three electrical contractors and this company's really hitting on all of them. Uh, and then we, we market what our, what, what our companies are doing. We'll market that, that particular field. So in those meetings that you have, are the, you involved in each one of those or is that something you delegate and you trust your team to do or is that something you feel like you can miss and you can know your team's going to take care of it for you? You know, and it, it's, we have a meeting every Monday and if a CSR has something going on or a producer has something going on and, and can't make it, then they just attend the next Monday meeting. Uh, if they've got something important they need to share, they, they normally shoot an email, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it, I've got a meeting, or, or, and would change the times on it. You know, if, if one person's busy at 8.30 and they've got something they need to share or they have something to contribute, then we'll change it to that afternoon. That way everybody can make it. Uh, you know, I try to be involved in, in all the meetings, uh, but there's times that I, I can't be there, and we've got... Uh, like I said, the, the veteran CSR that she takes great notes and she emails them to everybody and emails it to me just in case we can't make it. There you go. So um, talk to me a little bit more because I, I want, if you don't mind, to give an example or two of some of the things you do within your office to uh, create that culture or that atmosphere that makes people want to stay and make people want to continue to enjoy coming to work at First Arkansas Insurance. I know of an example off my head, but I want to see if you bring it up and bring up some other examples of ideas and things that you do to create that atmosphere of fun at work. You know, it's got to, it goes back to the mission statement when I first, when I was first entertained the idea of purchasing First Arkansas, and it's got to be a win-win for everybody. Um, you know, uh, not one person can do everything. Everybody has their strengths, and as long as you put everybody where their strengths are and not try to get them to do something they're not comfortable with, uh, you're going to have a lot better success rate than trying to make one person do something they're not, don't want to do. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we are a family, a work family. We spend time outside of work. Uh, we go to events, insurance events that uh, and we attend as an office we don't just not just the producer goes the CSR goes uh, our accounting uh, manager goes we, we all go uh, you know 
there's times that I have functions at my house for for the office. We all get together. We all we all not not only work but also social. Um, every Friday morning we have Pancake Fridays. We uh, we we get to work about eight thirty. Uh, we get a local restaurant to provide pancakes and eggs, and we sit down and I say ninety percent of the time we don't even talk shop. We talk about what we're doing on the weekends, or hey, my granddaughter's coming over, or just just really getting the, the family atmosphere. Pancake Fridays, that sounds amazing. I may just stop by the office on a Friday and just have some pancakes. That was the example that I knew of for a fact. I would imagine you guys do anything special for birthdays, anniversaries, things like that too? You know, birthdays are very special to everyone. And we make sure we celebrate that day with that, with that person to make them feel special. We have birthday cake. Uh, month of May, you know, I think I gained about five pounds because I think we had – Six or seven days, six or seven birthdays in the month of May. So, yeah, we make everybody feel special and let them know that we appreciate them on that day. Now, uh, hopefully you'll be okay sharing this, but I I remember another specific event that you guys came to that was very special to you. And did I hear a rumor that you rented a limo and brought your crew in a limo to an insurance event that you were very fond of? Oh, yeah. That, that's for sure. Uh, the first event I ever went to in the insurance field, I, I think it was about three weeks into my career, it was uh, Mardi Gras, the PIA's uh, Mardi Gras party. And I say party because it was such a good time. It was one of those things that uh, the, the, the event has grown over the years. But that first, that first year, uh, you know, it, it, it was at Burns Park. It, it, it was just Everybody made me feel like I was part uh, of something, and I want to give that feeling to all of my employees as well, all of the team members. So, you know, yes, when it, the first year that, that I purchased the agency, we, we got a limo. That way we didn't have to worry about the 60-mile drive back back to Hot Springs, and we all had a good time, and everybody got home safe. And that goes so far and a long way with your staff. Again, I know your staff, and I know your people well, and uh, they all brag on those type situations and the things like that that you do that create that culture and that environment where they want to come to work every day. And I guess my follow-up to that would be, and I'd love for you to share a little bit more on this if you could, why do you feel like having a good culture with your employees is so important and so crucial to an agency as far as the selling on the outside, but it starts on the inside and it starts with that culture. Why do you feel that is? I've been in a situation where I woke up in the morning and, oh man, I just don't want to go in today. I, I don't want to put up with the BS. I, you know, the, the, from the top down is where it trickles. If, if you're, if the principal of the agency is not reasonable and is, is making, making ripples and not part of the team, it really trickles down to, to the rest of the team. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've also heard, as you mentioned, that your team, when I ask them prior to this podcast, I've asked several of them over the year or so that I've known you on the agency uh, and all that go back, uh, they tell me you have a no drama policy type deal, and that's something they all brag on. They could all unanimously say that at the same time you have this how do you invoke that how do you do that 
that's got to be tough for the large staff. I mean, that's just something you come in, no nonsense from the beginning. That, that came strictly from me because I don't have enough time to deal with drama. And I've had two or three CSRs that were just amazing, but they love to stir the pot. And I, you know, set them aside and talked to them and said, hey, I'm not putting up with it. And all three of them about, a week after that that meeting, they they continued to do exactly what they'd been doing prior, and they were gone. Now, do you feel like that may come from your police background, or come from that eight generations of police? Is that just something you just decided in your own family at home? I know you have children, and I know, as you said, you made your high school school. Is that something that starts at home? Does that only go back to your childhood too? You know, I think that's something that I, I in all aspects of life, you know, everybody has has the people that they meet and. and you get to know them, and they could be friends, and if they cause a lot of drama, you don't hang out with them anymore. I mean, it's just something that I, I don't have time for drama. I love that. Um, I really do because, again, we all work, as you go back to your question, we all have those jobs we've had where we've had to deal with drama. We don't like to go to work because of those people that cause that drama. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a few minutes, but I want to ask a couple more questions. What advice could you give to either, let's take this two different ways, or you could answer the two-part question, however you want to do this. What do you feel, what advice could you give to an agency owner to improve his or her culture or to uh, an employee that works in an agency or looking for a job in an agency uh, relating around culture, what kind of advice would you give that, that person? Boy, that's a tough question. You know, and, and it goes back to you've got to look inward. You, you've got to look at yourself. Uh, you know, if, if something's not right for you, you've got to know it and you've got to move on. Uh, that would be my best advice there, uh, you know, from, from a management side of it, you know, you, you've got to know everybody's strengths and you've got to know that you, you, if somebody is doing something that they don't like to do, they're not going to do it very well. Well, they, they, might, they might not be good at inputting in the system, but they're great at coverage aspects, you know. So move people around. Put them where they need to go to make the team the best team that you can have. So don't, in other words, going back to childhood, I was always that dumb kid who tried to put the square peg in the round hole. So you're saying don't do that in your agency. You know, don't don't play that card there. Move people around until you finally find the right peg to go in the right hole. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is there anything else before we get off here, any other advice, any other thing you would like to share, anything you would like to talk about? The floor is yours for the last couple of minutes. If there's anything you want to share, um, hit it. I want to talk about sales for just a minute. You know, you, you always yeah. hear – you always hear quotas. You hear, oh, I've got to write twenty thousand dollars worth of business this month, or I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get a forty thousand dollar account this month to to make my quota. You know, we don't have quotas at First Arkansas. We it's something that I just don't feel comfortable with. I, I don't want an elephant hunter. I don't want somebody chasing after that four hundred thousand dollar premium um, just because it pays big commission. Um, what I try to tell all my, what I do tell all my producers is I want one policy a day. That, that's, that's all I ask. I don't care if it's a $100 bond. I don't care if it's a $400,000 commercial policy, if it's a homeowner's, if it's an auto, if it's a personal umbrella. I just want one policy a day. And what that does is it keeps your pipeline full. When, you're, when, you, when you've got your pipeline full, you sell policies. 
Um, and that's, that's the way I, I started out in the insurance field. I didn't go after the, the large accounts. Uh, I just went after what I, I knew I was comfortable with, what, uh, what relationships I had, and um, grew from there. That's awesome. That's great advice. I'm glad you were able to stand on that set box right before we got off the podcast. It's a good soapbox to stand on. And that's good advice to hear. And that's uh, a good way of looking at things because so many people are focused on that. Me as a producer myself, I struggled with that. I had my own certain goals. And if I didn't hit those goals, I was immediately, like you said, I was immediately down on myself. And I was immediately pissed off because I didn't hit this goal or that goal. And then that carried into my home life. And that carried into my other things. And that carried into everything I was doing because I didn't hit this certain goal. And so I love that idea. And I love that philosophy that you have of keeping your pipeline full and keep the ball moving forward um, inch by inch and you'll get there. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, is uh, um, If any of my listeners out there that are checking this out and they want to reach out to you, they want to email you, call you, anything like that, would you be willing to share a, a contact information with them just if they wanted to reach out? Oh, sure. Uh, the office number is 501-525-2600, and my email address is n.dodd at first, F-I-R-S-T-A-R-I-N-S dot com. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that information for this conversation for a long time. I'm glad I on it. Can you hear me? I hear you, you yeah. Again. Nope. Can you hear me now? Okay. Um yeah, I got you now. You cut out for a second. Anyway, I appreciate you sharing your information. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you hanging out with me. We've been friends a long time now. I can't believe how much time flies. We've known each other. How long have you been in the industry now? 12 years? 10, 15? Yeah, right 12, 13. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think I, I met you on one of the first days you were there because, uh, yeah, I remember you. I just left the police, or police field. So anyhow, I, I'm so happy that I know you, that we're friends, that I know your story now that the insurance town audience knows your story. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for hanging out with me. And uh, I appreciate everything that you do for our industry. Hey, I appreciate you, man. And anybody out there that has any questions, feel free to contact me. Yes, he means that too. So thank you again, Nick. Have a good day, buddy. Thanks, he. Bye-bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys, for listening to my conversation with my man, Nick Dodd. I really hope that our conversation brought value to your day today because there was a lot of good value add in there. I think that he shared from his heart. Hey, I think he told you some great examples. and I love that. And I don't just say that because I'm the host of this podcast or that I've known this guy forever. I truly believe that it was pure gold when he was spitting out there. And I hope you took some good notes. If not, you can re-listen to it again. <laughs> if you really did enjoy the conversation, please reach out to Nick Dodd. Or reach out to me, Heath, at insurancetownpodcast.com. I really do love your feedback each and every week. I enjoy reading your emails, and I love your text messages. It makes me so happy to know that I've got some listeners out there. We have absolutely killed it. Each week, we're adding more and more listeners and more and more downloads, and I really love it. Please tell your friends about it. If you haven't downloaded the rest of the, the episodes Please go out there and do that. There's some good stuff out there. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button and uh, tell your friends, hit the subscribe button. I, I just really want more and more people to hear this podcast. And I want your feedback. Again, uh, feel free to email me that too. And 
I really want you to start your own podcast. If you've got a great idea, I really want you to go out there, find my friend Ryan at Ready, Set, Podcast. They make the podcasting easy by taking care of all the recording and the editing and the publishing. They can record on location or they can do it over the internet. Please, you can make this a niche podcast for you. You can make this a, a podcast about insurance. You can make it about knitting. You can make it about shooting hoops in the backyard. You can make it about anything you wanted to, how to raise children in COVID. I don't know. But if you've got an idea, please reach out to him, ReadySetPodcast.xyz, or you can find him on Facebook or Instagram, ReadySetPodcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Guys, again, thank you so much for hanging out. I really look forward to next week. I hope you come by and hang out with us again. Again, it's been my pleasure. Have a great week, guys. 